0: Welcome to The Gift of Choice, hosted by entrepreneurial coach and holistic nurse practitioner, Bonnie Gressel. Bonnie and her guest offer information and motivation each week to help you live your dream and attain the health, happiness, and abundance you deserve. Now, here's the host of The Gift of Choice, Bonnie Gressel. Well, welcome to The Gift of Choice, everyone. I'm your host, Bonnie Gressel. You know, I want to tell you how much I appreciate all of you for taking time out of your busy day to spend a little bit of time here with us at the show. I know everybody's life is really busy, and my goal is to provide great content so that you always feel this time was well spent. We have a great guest today. I'm so excited to have him. Sebastian Van Der Sheer of Social Anxiety Solutions is here, and you know, we're talking about the... The wedge of our self-empowerment wheel this month that has to do with emotional health. And what better way to start that off than to talk about such an important issue that plagues so many people. I mean, anxiety in general. But today we're focusing on social anxiety. Now just as a reminder, you can also listen to all of the past episodes right here on Blog Talk Radio and also on iTunes. And then I stream the last episode of each show to Seek Up Talk Radio. Now, they're always on for you. You can listen at 3 in the morning if you'd like to. Now, to be a part of this community, there's a few different ways that you can do that. If you're here on Blog Talk Radio with us, just click Follow on the show page. Or if you're listening on iTunes, you just click on Subscribe. They really do the same thing, just use different words. And I'm working on expanding this show to other networks as well. So stay tuned. I'm going to queue in the loop as that progresses. Now, I always want to remind people that the Gift of Choice show is educational, inspirational, and motivational in nature. But I want to take what fits for you and let go of the rest. The Gift of Choice show does not intend or imply to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment either. So if you do need some professional assistance, please do take care of yourself and, and seek that out. Now, as I do at the beginning of every show, um, I've been doing this for, gosh, probably the past year or so, I take time to just pause. You know, so often we don't do that. We, we're so busy in life that we just don't take the time to stop. So I really always want to invite everyone who's able and and to really give you permission to do that. So if you're in a place where you're able to sort of stop what you're doing and just sort of come down, maybe close your eyes if that fits for you or or not, doesn't matter. But if you're driving on the freeway, eh, maybe not a good idea. But if you are in a place where you can just relax, come into yourself, I would invite you to join me for the next minute or so as we pay attention to our breathing. You know, we have to breathe anyway, but we so seldom pay attention. We don't notice all of those things about our breath. So if you can join me by taking a nice deep breath in through your nose if you can, And then letting everything go on the outhale. On the exhale, just letting everything go that you don't need right now. That's all there is, just breathing in. And out. Without pushing it or pulling it, just let it flow. There's no special way you have to do this. Just whatever is comfortable for you. Breathing in and out. Letting everything go that you don't need right now. All you need to do is breathe, that's it. Breathing in and breathing out. And you probably have thoughts that come into your mind. That's the way our minds work. That's okay. Acknowledge those thoughts. And then go back to your breathing. Breathing in. And breathing out. You may notice that your shoulders start to come down a bit. You feel a little bit more relaxed. That's it. Perfect. Just the way it is for you. There's no particular way. Just breathing in and out. Now as we come back to listen to the wonderful things we're going to talk about on the show today, I'd like you to take one more big breath in through your nose and let it all out. Letting everything go that you don't need. That bigger breath at the end is sort of a signal that tells your mind that it's time to come back. Hang on to that relaxed feeling, that centered, grounded feeling. But now it's time to come back and listen to the show. You know, I don't know about you, but I always feel better after taking that minute, just a minute, really, to do that. It helps me. I can even tell I'm, I talk slower when I do that. It just helps us to be more centered and focused and grounded and really be able to, to hear all the wonderful things we're going to talk about today. You know, as I was thinking about our guest for the show today, I was thinking about how debilitating anxiety is. Oh, my goodness. Now, I'm blessed that I've never really experienced it, but there are so many people who do. I mean, there are 15 million Americans just in the United States that experience anxiety, especially social anxiety that can lead to panic attacks, issues at work, relationship problems. I mean, everything. We're going to hear a lot more about that from our guest today. Now, when I talk about, and I've talked about this in shows in the past, Our internal locus of control versus the external locus of control. When I talk in those terms, it occurred to me that it's impossible for people with social anxiety because there's so much attention on the outside world, that external locus of control. You know, in my days as a nurse practitioner in a large multi-specialty clinic, I used to see a lot of people with anxiety issues. And many of them were over-medicated as an attempt to control their anxiety, which then created other problems. Now, I'm also an EFT practitioner or an emotional freedom technique practitioner. And I know our guest tonight is going to talk more about that. But I would always explain to my clients in simple terms that EFT is sort of like a psychological acupuncture. It's clearing the energy as you tap on acupuncture points while you're focused on a feeling. So what it does is it takes any strong emotion to a neutral place, whether that's anxiety or whether that's craving a chocolate chip cookie. It doesn't matter. There is so much more to it. But that's sort of the simple definition that I like to use with, with clients. But I'm sure we're going to hear more about that from our guest tonight. And I'm going to introduce him right after this break. I'm Bonnie Gressel, here with you here at The Gift of Choice. And we're going to be right back.
1: Are you one of the millions of people who struggle to relax, sleep well, or even lose weight? Have you ever wondered why it's so hard? If you think your brain might have something to do with it, you're right now you can learn how to access the powerful energy of the mind-body connection with the ultimate health and wellness gift set a 4 CD collection of guided meditations from holistic nurse practitioner Bonnie Gressel you can use them all for yourself or split the individually wrapped CDs into gifts for friends and family the ultimate health and wellness gift set includes all of Bonnie's popular CDs including restful sleep relax Meditation for busy people and weight loss. To get your copy of the Ultimate Health and Wellness Gift Set, go to bonniegressel.com and click on the products tab. That's B O N N I E G R O E S S L.com. You're listening to The Gift of Choice with your host Bonnie Gressel. The Gift of Choice is sponsored by MNB Global Solutions providing individualized coaching for entrepreneurs and authors, as well as book editing and publishing services. For more information, go to Solutions.com.
0: Sebastian Vandersheer suffered from social anxiety disorder for nearly a decade. He eventually managed to become anxiety free thanks to the power of a technique called EFT or emotional freedom technique, along with the help of many brilliant therapists. Having experienced so much joy and connectedness after so much isolation and struggle, he decided to dedicate his life and make his mission an exclusive focus to offer the best solutions to people suffering with social anxiety. So he's on a mission to resolve all of social anxiety in the world. As a social confidence coach, he's concentrated solely on working with people suffering from this condition since 2009. He's the creator of the Social Confidence System and the host of the podcast show, Social Anxiety Solutions, where he interviews the leaders from Western psychology and Eastern energy psychology worlds. He's Dutch, but he's lived in four different countries, and he currently lives in the Philippines. Now, you can find more on Sebastian at his website, which is social-anxiety-solutions.com. And I have that here for you on the show page, so that you just need to click on it, and you should go there. So welcome, Sebastian. I am so happy and, and honored that you've taken time out of your busy day to spend a little bit of time with us here at the Gift of Choice show.
2: Sure. Thanks for having me. I uh, feel all relaxed after your little meditation.
0: <laughs> good, good. <laughs> you know, I, I always, you know, I talk a little bit about people in their bio, but there's always more to the story, right? Hmm. So, would you, would you share with our listeners today a little bit of more about your journey, your experience, and what has sort of brought you to who you've become today?
2: Yes. It <laughs> uh, could be a really, really long story, but I'll, I'll focus it in on uh, okay. the social anxiety. <laughs> well, um, I had a bit of a troubled childhood. My dad died when I was really young. Um, my stepdad, I hated him and uh, was placed outside of the house and he committed suicide and it was just, it was messy. And then um, at age 12, I developed social anxiety. Um I would have a blushing problem. I would become red at the drop of a hat, and that kind of evolved and got even worse at age 16 when uh, when girls came into the picture and uh, mm. and sex, right? And that was uh, something that was really scary for me. And so uh, I tried all sorts of things to overcome it. And uh, the, the basic understanding or the, the the basic method is: well, you just change your thoughts. You're mindful of, uh, you know, you're being mindful when you're out, you're trying to focus outwardly instead of uh, on yourself, and you should face your fears progressively. Um, That's one theory, and that's what I did, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I did the weirdest things, like I really tried everything to overcome it, so, you know, uh, one one thing I was really afraid of was talking to women, so I did that, and um, another thing I was really afraid of was uh, getting rejected, so I'd get myself purposely rejected because uh, you know I, I had learned that I could become rejection-proof if I would do that. So I went to Amsterdam,
0: kind sort of a kinda like a that,
2: yeah. yeah. So I went to Amsterdam and I had my buddy with me because he was going to point out the women that I was going to get myself rejected by. <laughs> <laughs> so I would go uh, to Amsterdam and I would walk up to one of them and I would say, "Hey, you like me? Give me your number." Like you know, properly creepy, and uh, well, it did work. I did get rejected uh, twenty times in oh, I was gonna a row. say, did
0: you get a number? <laughs> no, you got rejected. no. Okay.
2: no. And uh, well, at first it was terrifying, and even just the build up to doing that. Like three days before, I could hardly catch any sleep because I had committed to it. And I told my friend that you know, there was no escaping it, and so um, the first couple of times were really, really difficult. Um, after about the 10th time, it became a, a bit easier and, you know, also funny reactions like people thought they were on MTV, some hidden camera show <laughs> or like, what is this? And, uh, at the end, at the 20th time, you know, the last couple of times, it didn't bother me that much anymore. And mm-hmm. I felt great. I'm like, wow, I'm confident. I'm the man, by the way, I'm like 17 or 18 years uh, old at the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm the man. My anxiety is gone. Woohoo! And then, uh, yeah, a couple of days later, I was back to square one. And then, uh, you know, I did other things. Like they said, well, you need uh, – there's a there's something in the psychology called flooding where you do the thing you're afraid of most and you kind of, you know, knuckle it through. Well, I was really afraid of embarrassing myself, so I decided to do that. So I bought the brightest red lipstick and smeared it over my lips and, you know, circles around my eyes and then went walking through the city uh, chatting up people. Well, that was excruciatingly like the epitome of awkward. And uh, yeah, and that, that got better after about an hour, hour and a half. And then again, same thing. I felt fantastic. But about a week later, most of that was gone again. So it really didn't work. And I did affirmations, visualizations, changing my thoughts, a lot of inner work, all these self-help programs, tons of books that I read, but nothing really worked. And, you know, I kept an eye out for solutions because um, I had sworn to myself that, no, you know, how, however long it takes, I want to get back uh, to a place where I feel comfortable with myself. Because up until age 12, uh, while I had all these problems at home, I wasn't anxious. You know, maybe because I was the strongest in the class, I had a certain status, um, you know, I, 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 didn't, I wasn't anxious. You know, it wasn't the greatest place to be either, <laughs> but uh, at least I wasn't anxious. So, you know, a couple of years later, I eventually stumbled onto a video onto YouTube that uh, where, where the tapping was was shown. It was this guy tapping on his face and body and saying certain phrases, and he claimed that this would work where nothing else had, had worked, or at least it, it worked for many people where a lot of other things hadn't worked for him like, yeah, right. You know, you're tapping on your face and body and that's going to help you release negative emotions as if. You know, I didn't I didn't buy it, but I was curious enough to do my research and, you know, I googled EFT scam and, you know, found a ton of information, not that it is a scam, but mostly testimonials from people, videos on how to do the basics for free on YouTube. Um, Forums dedicated to it, and there was so much and you know you could download the the basic manual for free. I'm like, mm-hmm. this cannot be a scam. this is way way too big. It will cost a scammer like you know a whole team of uh hundreds of people to set this up so this this is not a scam i'm I'm gonna try this and, and make it happen for me and then it didn't work for me because I was detached from my emotions I couldn't feel my emotions at all, mm-hmm. and um eventually. I decided to get some outside help to work with a specialist and I went to one of these workshops and this was in the Netherlands. And while we were at this workshop, you know, you kind of work in, I think it's called a triad where you have a practitioner, an observer, and a client. Right. Well as the practitioner, I worked with the client and she released her sadness in front of my eyes. She started with, uh, you know, you rated 0 to 10, how sad are you? She was 8 out of 10 sad. couple of rounds of tapping, a few minutes later, her sadness is gone completely. I'm like, wow, it's amazing. Uh, then I observed the practitioner working with the client, and I saw the fear decreasing, and then when it came time to work with me, yeah, there was nothing to work on. They didn't have any emotions, so it wouldn't work on me. So they got the workshop leader to come in, and he then asked me a couple of provoking questions. And eventually, he had me kind of confess that either I hadn't had sex in a long time or that I had never had a girlfriend. Either of those, I don't exactly remember what it was. But it made me incredibly embarrassed and ashamed because that was like my biggest secret. I didn't want anyone to know about that. And I was massively ashamed of that. And he's like, now do the tapping. And then as I started tapping on my face and body, um, that that shame and that embarrassment just dissolved. And like in a minute or, or, or two minutes, all of that was gone. And now I was talking to this little group of people about uh, what I formerly was so ashamed of and now i was just comfortable you know and that that shame that anxiety has uh, had given me a sense of peace a sense of calm was you know it was replaced by a sense of peace and a sense of calm i had acceptance of it i didn't care and it was like a profound shift something actually shifted inside my body now prior to that i had been doing five years of all the self-help and therapy and hypnotherapy and NLP and anything I could get my hands on. And I felt that I made a bigger shift in those five minutes than those five years prior to it. So yeah. needless to say, I was sold. And I'm like, okay, yeah. this, is, this is the answer. Now I'm going to resolve my social anxiety. Now, unfortunately, social anxiety can be a complex issue and even many of the EFT practitioners don't know how to address it, so it took a really long time to fully resolve it. like I overcame um, the bulk of my generalized anxiety within a couple of months, but to resolve my anxiety completely took me years um, and then you know, in two thousand and nine, I started coaching myself and I uh, thought I was a great coach at the beginning. Maybe I wasn't, <laughs> and uh, you know, learned a lot of things on the way. And uh, you know, almost six years later, um, i you know, I'm I'm coaching socially phobic clients. I only coach socially phobic clients, aside from some friends here and there. And I uh, I have a social confidence system, which is an EFT EFT based online program, kind of like a do it yourself step by step. And I, uh, like you said, I host a podcast where I interview the leaders of Western traditional psychology as well as Eastern energy psychology for the best solutions to overcome social anxiety. I'm 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 on a mission to resolve social anxiety because there's a lot of misinformation and people are unnecessarily suffering. They're suffering for their whole lives and there's a lot of suicides as a result of it because depression comes with a lack of connection, not being able to socialize and uh, so this is what I'm passionate about and committed to. So
0: Right. I mean, we're not meant to live in isolation, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Now, I I've, have been trained in tons of techniques and, and energy psychology pieces. And I can honestly say, Sebastian, that, that EFT, emotional freedom technique, has probably been my best tool in terms of changing people's lives. So I totally get what you're saying because – it's amazing. I was I was seeing someone, you know, because you can use it for anything, obviously. And I saw a, a gentleman, a young guy, for um, smoking cessation one time. You know, his wife brought him in. He says, yeah, my wife made me come. You know, and he was not very happy. So anyway, we talked a little bit, and then she left the room, and then I did some EFT. And one of my rules when I'm doing smoking cessation is I tell people, Try really hard not to have a cigarette before you come to your appointment, but bring it with you. Bring bring your pack with you, because I want you to be able to smell it and and really, really crave that cigarette. So anyway, we're doing some tapping. And this is a guy, first time I saw him, in fact, it was the only time I saw him. And he's like, we're tapping, and I really want that cigarette. I really want that cigarette. And all of a sudden, he says, no, I don't really want that cigarette. It just took it totally away. His craving and he's that was the day he stopped smoking yeah. it was amazing so so eft i mean you're speaking to the choir here but but oh my gosh it is it's powerful so i am so glad that that you know that was the tool that because it's something that you can do yourself you know it's not something you have to get extra equipment for or buy extra things or see somebody for you can learn to do it yourself which obviously you did so that was so cool mm. about EFT i think
2: mm. yeah yeah it's it's an amazing tool you can learn it Uh, you know in 10 minutes the basics of it and it's a great uh, tool to regulate your emotions and gain emotional resiliency emotional control be more at peace uh, be more calm however in and of itself it's not a therapy so some people actually need therapy they need they, Mm -hmm. they need someone to help them you know guide them through it but you know He's, he's amazing. Right. Oh,
0: I'm, I'm glad that you bring that up because that is, that is true. I mean, it's a, it's a tool, but it's not the only thing for many people. Right. You know, right. And the other things as well. So, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, the, the you know, going up to girls and saying, Hey, you like me, don't you? you can hmm. I have your number type of thing to right. get rid of your social anxiety in that regard? But what was your life like when you suffered? I mean, suffering from social anxiety can be debilitating. Yeah. How, wh- tell us what your life was like back then. <clears throat>
2: well, I was afraid of embarrassing myself, afraid of getting disapproved of, afraid of being ignored, afraid of awkwardness, afraid of uncomfortable situations. Had a lot of what-if thinking, and um, you know, most of the time I was comfortable one-on-one and you know with my mom or with my or stuff like that I, w- I was fine but as soon as I, li- I would leave the house and i would get into situations where there was more than one person now i had the risk of embarrassing myself or humiliating mm. myself or saying something stupid and getting all the attention on me and because um there was that f- fear of that happening anxiety shows up so mm. um when, when i would wake up I would wake up I would wake up anxious because I would go either to school or or I would go to work. So if I go to work for example, I was going to take the bus. Well, when I would take the bus, there might be people in the bus that know me. When I walk into the bus, <clears throat> in the front of the bus you have the bus driver and he might start a conversation with you or you might do something wrong or he might be in a bad mood and he might embarrass you and then you're standing there in front of the bus and everyone's paying attention to you or at least so you think when you're anxious. And, you know, this could be a horrible situation. Then when you go to sit in the bus, well, you know, is there a place to sit? If there's not a place to sit, you have to stand. Everyone will be staring at you. And you con- I constantly felt all the eyes on me, like everyone was constantly judging me, uh, observing my every move. Now, if I would actually, if there was just one seat available and it's next to someone I would know, Oh my God! A silent bus, and then I—okay, what am I going to say? Am I going to say good morning? And uh, you know, do I have to continue the conversation? Like extreme insecurity, awkwardness, and then when the blushing would come up, um, you know, I would want to escape the situation. Sometimes it was brought to my attention that I was blushing, which would make me blush even more. I felt completely uh, ashamed of myself. Uh, all my friends around me were dating having girlfriends and having sex so any topic around that would make me extremely anxious and uncomfortable if the if, if I was uh, asked questions you know uh, who are you dating or you know what happened last weekend I would blush and it was just a massive massive problem that that kept me busy 24 7 and uh
0: yeah,
2: yeah so n- so not so blushing
0: <laughs> no so was blushing one of your um, primary symptoms, would you say? Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's not necessarily a symptom of social anxiety, but it often accompanies social anxiety. So ah, okay. some some people blush, but they're like, yeah, whatever, it's part of me, it's okay, it's no problem. Mm-hmm. For them, it's not something that their brain has labeled as dangerous. For me, um. it was. For me, it was like, okay, you know, when I blush, I'm weak, I'm pathetic, I'm not a real man.
0: Oh, okay.
2: So, yeah.
0: So it's what that symptom um, meant to you.
2: Yeah, it's what the blushing meant to me, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and the blushing had a cause. Like there were there were stuff that happened earlier in life that caused the blushing. It's not that I'm oh. born with a blushing problem.
0: Right. So... What do you think, or or talk a little bit about? I mean, this started your social anxiety started at age twelve.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, was it related to you know your your parents and your relationship with your dad and all that sort of stuff, or was there something else? Was there is there an event that you can say yeah that's what started this, or was it just kind of a gradual build up?
2: No, like there was actual event that started it. However. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not for everyone the case. And sometimes uh, you know, people are anxious for as long as they can remember. I wasn't. Um, however, what happened early on in life, dad dying, mom becoming emotionally avail- unavailable, being placed outside of the house, being seen as the problem child, a lot of rejection, disapproval, and uh-huh. so on, that kind of made me vulnerable to it. And then when I was uh, 12, 11 or 12, um, like I had a favorite teacher. Like, I loved her. She loved me. I, I, would, I would go to her house to eat pancakes, you know, oh, wow. kind of, that kind of <laughs> early. That was a teacher's pet. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one day I'm sitting in the class, and I'm sitting at the back of the class, and I'm throwing around papers and, you know, shooting p- pencils and just being obnoxious. Um, and she caught me, and I had to go sit in front of her next to her desk so she could observe me. And then, uh, you know, a little later, we're gonna watch some documentaries, so the TV rolls in, and, uh, it's on this stand, and she goes to the back of the class so she could observe the whole class. And then, um before it starts, she's like, uh, Sebastian, move with your big dumbo ears away from the television, cause nobody can see anything. And, uh, that made me extremely embarrassed because I was normally kind of the the guy that was making the jokes and, you know, kind of picking on people. And I guess this was her way of, uh, you know, showing me how that would feel. And uh, mm-hmm. so I became bright red. And then, you know, everyone was pointing their fingers at me and laughing at me because, you know, now I was mm-hmm. red. Right? And since then, that became a problem because I'm like, well, uh. when I'm red, everyone is rejecting me and laughing at me. And I, I have. I have no, you know, nothing to say anymore because I'm blushing and now I'm, I'm weak and I'm to, to be mm-hmm. laughed at person.
0: <laughs> yeah, wow. And, you know, it's interesting because I think teachers in general or, or really anyone who, who we feel is in an authority position, um, and whatever they say or do is it's got a different meaning, it's got a huge impact, it's almost like a a hypnotic thing, it's, you know, we get hypnotized all the time in our lives, and we don't really realize it, and people don't mean to hypnotize us, but if you see someone in, as a person in authority, all it really takes is that focused state of attention, which obviously you were in, because you had to sit in front of the class, and a suggestion, which is whatever the person, the teacher said. So at that time, it seems like you were probably hypnotized to, you know, you get big, dumb old ears or whatever. And that's interesting that there was also, aside from all the, the, you know, trauma and all that you had growing up, there was an event that you can actually still today recall mm-hmm. in vivid detail.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's also I've told the story so many times. So. Have you? Okay. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: but but yeah. yeah. Well, it's
0: I mean it's a great story because that, that happens to kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And and it's it's true. And like when that happened, it violated my expectations. Like I didn't see that one coming because my teacher sure. had nobody teased me, and especially not the teacher. So it was a shock. And then I also felt out of control and there was nobody supporting me. Well, those are the elements that make up a trauma. And because of that, that memory got locked in my active memory, in my procedural memory. And now, after that experience, when I was in other situations and they would talk about, you know, uh, even like physical characteristics, you know, nose, uh, is someone looking cute, my attractiveness or lack thereof. That would instantly make me blush because to my brain, that situation that I was in was perceived as the same as what happened when my teacher called me out. And and that that trauma capsule would be opened. I would feel the shame, the embarrassment, and everything else that I had felt in class. That continued going on until I used DFT to clear that event. Now, there was more that I had to do to overcome my blushing. It was quite complex, but that was one of the things that helped it a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, and and did you find that that EFT, because you could do it yourself whenever you wanted to, was um, a particular help to you? I mean, I understand that many people have to have, you know, a therapist and and other things going on as well, but it's not always something that you can have that control of, that you can do it yourself. Did you find that that was a, a benefit for you?
2: Yeah, it was a great tool to uh, <clears throat> to calm myself down. So, you know, when I would when I would blush or when I would feel blushing come up, I would just immediately go to the toilet and start tapping and uh, yeah. voicing all the possible things that I could be ashamed of and calm myself down. If I would get anxious, same thing. And I also learned uh, the finger tapping, which you can do in the moment, to help yeah. myself calm down. Well, aside from that, I've had hundreds of coaching sessions <laughs> On, uh, not not all for social anxiety, but um, yeah, just talk therapy. Uh, sure. I, I don't think would have gotten me there. However, just EFT wouldn't have gotten me where I am either. So I think the right. combination of both is is really wonderful.
0: Oh yeah. So so what do you think people who suffer from social anxiety should pay attention to if they want to get better, if they want to overcome it? What do you think that they should? do first pay attention to or include in in their recovery?
2: Yeah, okay, absolutely. Well, what they should pay attention to is <laughs> that they shouldn't focus, should not focus on trying to beat their <laughs> social anxiety. Because most people, because of anxiety uh, being the presenting problem, it's like, oh, I need to attack my anxiety. But the anxiety is actually just a symptom of a deeper underlying problem. So, all right what is anxiety anxiety is kind of like uh, your your system your brain saying hey danger this situation is not safe for you so how things work is when you're in a in a social situation and anxiety comes up for you well you are or your brain is perceiving danger in some way and that's because of your beliefs so you might have beliefs like people are meaning out to get me I'm not good enough. I have to be perfect here and not make any mistakes. Now, when you have these beliefs, these these are kind of like the lenses through which you filter your reality around you. Well, when you're filtering it in that way, um, you know, you you don't feel safe. There is danger. You could uh, risk rejection. You could embarrass yourself. And so when there is a perceived or a real danger, you have a built-in response to that danger. It's called the fight-flight-freeze response. So Mm -hmm. you know, when you see a tiger that's about to charge at you, that fight-flight-freeze response is going to be activated. When you see a person that uh, looks at you with disapproval and you have problems with disapproval in the past, that is perceived as the same kind of danger, and it activates the fight-flight-freeze response that in turn releases all sorts of hormones in your body, and prepares your body to fight, flight, or freeze with danger it perceives. And so the real problem is the perception of danger. And that perception Mm -hmm. of danger is there because of these beliefs. So a really common belief is, you know, I'm not good enough. I have to be Mm -hmm. perfect to be accepted. Now, what you want to do is you want to start addressing these beliefs. So you want to figure out, okay, How come I believe that I'm not good enough? Well, in my situation, I would go back to, well, you know, my mom always saw me as the problem child, Um, you know, I wasn't accepted here at this school, that happened, and then when you apply EFT to the reasons for why you have that belief, you eventually get to a place where... Your brain no longer perceives danger in a social situation. When it no longer perceives danger in a social situation, then you're safe, and then there's no anxiety. So with this, you can actually get to a place where you're anxiety-free. Mm.
0: Hmm. So, you know, if when people, if people use EFT or therapy or, or all of the above to... To overcome their social anxiety how will they know that they're starting to get better I mean what can they expect or I will was is it a progression or does it like happen all at once what is your experience or your your opinion on that sure
2: well it's different for for different people it depends on the, you know how deeply rooted it is for mm-hmm. you however the bulk of the people that I see can resolve their social anxiety um, or like the bulk of their social anxiety in, in about three sessions. Wow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> other people that have social anxiety but other compounding issues such as, uh, you know, personality disorder and uh, severe depression and suicidal uh, tendencies, I don't see those people. <laughs> These mm-hmm. people actually need face-to-face counseling with relational therapists. They might have addiction problems. And... For these people, it can take a longer period of time, and uh, the tapping will help them in that process of healing all those inner wounds and you know uh, uh, improving the relationship with themselves. So um, it's something that you can immediately start doing yourself. You can start tapping on the things you fear, the things you worry about, your what-if thinking, and um, that will give you some relief. However, that's just managing the symptoms. However, just managing the symptoms, feeling a little bit better, is already a great relief. Now, some people actually leave it at that because they don't believe that they can take it any further. So they see the tapping as, yeah, it's a great relaxation tool. Uh, I feel a lot better. What you want to go for is you want to go for, I want to become anxiety-free. I want to be able to connect with people effortlessly. I want to feel at ease in my life. You know, set yourself high standards and... uh, it's very much possible, and it uh, doesn't have to take that long, luckily.
0: Yeah. So, you now, with people who have social anxiety, is are there times where those people are um, like they don't want to leave their house, or is that something totally separate?
2: Agoraphobia would, yeah. would be the label for that, um, well, it, that is something separate. However, uh, it's, it's very similar. However, that okay. that might also be linked to, you know, personality disorder, uh, sure. avoidance, sure. Uh, you know, avoidant personality disorder. These, these people most likely will have to see a therapist as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like, um, I mean, yeah. all these things are really linked, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean, really, what you... Experienced when you were in school and had to sit up in front of the class when the, when the television came in to show the documentary, all that stuff. I mean, really, that's kind of post-traumatic stress stuff too.
2: Mm. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: so I think they're all related,
2: right? Um, my my dad dying that was uh, oh,
0: absolutely. The,
2: yeah, that was the biggest, which which kind of started the whole
0: <laughs> yeah
2: the whole uh, let's just say journey. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh. So there's there's that. There's our life experiences. And then, and you mentioned this earlier in the show, the limiting beliefs that we all carry around. I mean, you know, it's that, that subconscious mind. It's kind of like the bottom of the iceberg, you know, that part under the water that nobody can see. Mm-hmm. But it's huge. And everything is in there. I always tell my clients, everything is in there, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes we have the, the bad and the ugly stuff at the top. And then That's those limiting beliefs that drive our lives, that create our reality.
2: Yeah, indeed.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like in in your work, let's talk a little bit about your work in working with people who have social anxiety. How you how do you approach that? I mean, tell us like what what types of people? I know that some people also need to see therapists and and all of that, but what type of people come to you, and what can they expect when they when they come to you?
2: Sure. Well, uh, a variety of people come to me, basically of uh, uh, all ages, uh, from as young as uh, 15 all the way up to 64. Or, you know, 64 mm-hmm. is the oldest I've seen, and the story um, is is you know quite the same. You know, um, they have anxiety. Some um, they experience it. Some, for some, it's just in performance situations. For others, it's in, in uh, just about all situations, but they they're still living their life. So you know, like if they're totally housebound and they have no friends and they're secluded and they have other problems, these people I refer to uh, face-to-face therapists, but the people that, that I can help are people that are they' on the outside, it looks like they have somewhat of a normal life limited. Because, you know, they avoid a lot of things that they're uncomfortable with. But, um, you know, they have somewhat of a normal life. A lot of them are, um, are, are you know, not living their potential, if you will, because the anxiety won't allow them. And then um, when we start working, I, you know, it's, it's a variety of things I do. It's not just tapping. I've learned... Uh, provocative therapy, which is very effective for working with resistance because most people, mm-hmm. they consciously want to let go of their social anxiety. However, their subconscious thinks that's not a great idea. And so provocative therapy is a very light approach to work with that resistance. So a session involves a lot of laughter, a lot of release, a lot of calming down where at the end of a session, you feel calmer, more at peace, more relaxed, more centered, and then, uh, you know, as you go about your week, you'll start to notice, hey, I'm I'm a bit lighter about myself here, hey, uh, this is what used to be a problem for me, now it's not, hey, I don't feel anxious here where I used to feel, hey, I feel better about myself in this situation, and then um, that's kind of a progression, so uh, second session builds on the first session, and you kind of start to change Um, your beliefs, beliefs about yourself, beliefs about other people, is become more lighthearted, more easygoing, and, um, you know, calmer, more peaceful.
0: Mm. So how many times do you typically see somebody? I mean, how many sessions um, will you do with someone?
2: Yeah, say uh, in between three and ten. Oh, okay. uh, I think uh, about 50% uh, is done with uh, three sessions.
0: Okay. And do you need to see people in person or do you do, you know, like Skype and stuff like that? Or Well, if they're willing to fly over to the Philippines, I will. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> but most of them are not that eager, which is a shame because it's an amazing place. But, no, I see everyone over Skype. So okay. Uh, okay. just as effective, um, or at least from my experience, uh, I work with people in person as well. There might be a slight benefit to it. But, uh, you know, I've attuned myself to Skype really well because I've done that in the past six years. I can see all the facial expressions, slight uh, alterations in uh, in voice tone. And, you know, you, you've got a good connection. You can see each other. And, you know, uh, it's right. basically I instruct them where to tap, what to say. It's monkey see, monkey do. And, uh, yeah, that's the process. Yeah,
0: yeah I've, d- I've done some EFT via Skype as well. And it's amazing, you know, because you're right, it's it's. I mean, really, it's like being there, you know, Mm. when I – it's really not a lot different than when I see clients in the office. Now, do you also tap at the same time? I mean, I know some practitioners do and some don't. Some tap on the person. Some tap on themselves. I, I My preference is to, I always tap, too. What what do you do?
2: Oh, absolutely. I'm tapping the whole session. So a session is 90 yeah. minutes, and a client is tapping the whole session as well. Even when we're just talking about random stuff, uh, yeah. we'll be tapping in the background. Because uh, my uh, mentor and uh, psychotherapist, Dr. Dave Lake, he uh, figured out that the more tapping you get into your system, the better your results. So yeah. we we tap out throughout the whole session. And then... <clears throat> in between a session there's a week in between um, people get homework so in my case they'll be going through my social confidence system and uh, or they have um, you know tapping homework in the form of they stimulate these acupressure points for an hour a day uh, It seems like a lot but you can do the finger tapping which is portable you can take it anywhere and you can just uh, you don't have to focus on anything so you can watch TV and do a bit of tapping, and you get that uh, meridian uh, stimulation into your system. Mm-hmm. You can do it while you're taking a shower, while you're going for a walk. And well, that start what will what that will start to do. So if you're listening to this and you don't even have social anxiety, but you might have stress, if you learn this tapping and um, you start doing this. You, you take this challenge on for three weeks, and you do an hour of meridian stimulation day. What will happen is your your general stress level will start to decrease and decrease and decrease, and your 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 normal happiness level will start to increase until um, you know your happiness level will get higher than your stress level, and at that point, negative thinking doesn't have as much of a hold on you, and you know you're a lot calmer or you more easily deal with situations and, and so on.
0: Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, you know, Sebastian, I know that people are going to want more of you. <laughs> so they're going to want to be able to connect with you and get more information to see and and maybe, you know, work with you. But since you do Skype, it doesn't matter where they are. What's the best way? Can you tell us a little bit about what's the best way to get a hold of you and maybe a little bit more about your social confidence system?
2: Oh, okay. wow. Well, um, my website is socialanxietysolutions.com, and I've set that up in such a way that when you get to the website, you immediately become educated on what it takes to overcome your social anxiety. So I tell my story, and as I tell my story, I share the things that didn't work, the things that do work. I teach you the tapping Um, I tell you 12 shortcuts to get there quicker, and I basically start giving you what you need in order to prepare yourself already. Now, if that is of interest to you and you like what you're hearing, then uh, you can sign up for my newsletter and – there I offer my social confidence system. So what's my social confidence system? Well, I've been working with clients for for six years, and you, know, you got to be stupid to not see patterns. You know? So I've seen a lot of patterns. People's problems. Who you know, if you're listening to this, you're you you probably think that your problem is very unique. Well, we all tend to think that, but your problems are universal. And I found that. Uh, that's the same thing for people with social anxiety. We have the same negative limiting beliefs, we have the same fears, we have the same worries, and we have the same solutions to these uh, fears, worries, and concerns. And so my Social Confidence System is a 12-step program that is an online program that guides you step-by-step via articles to uncover your issues, as well as audios and subtitled videos to overcome your challenges step by step, so you work on acceptance, letting go of shame, releasing perfectionism, uh, overcoming these fears, dealing with your trauma, and getting to a place where you're effortlessly social confident. Socially confident. Now, when you're interested in coaching, you can go to the same website and uh, you know go to the contact page, or you can go to socialanxietysolutions.com forward slash contact. Hmm. And then, um, awesome. yeah, then, then people can contact me and we'll have a little intro chat and we'll see, uh, how I can best serve them and if I'm the right person to help them or if, uh, if they're best served by someone else and then I'll redirect them there.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, I, I, for one, am really, um, appreciative that you are taking on this issue as your mission. I mean, I, I think that's great. That's, I, I Commend you for that, and I know that our listeners got a lot out of our call tonight our conversation on the gift of choice because there are a lot more people who struggle with anxiety and and social anxiety in particular than you would think you know i I was surprised too when I started looking at the you know the the occurrence the frequency of it, the prevalence. And so I, I applaud you for taking this on as your men, Sebastian. I think the the world is a better place because of that. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, thank you. And um, uh, just one more thing. Like I talk yeah. about social anxiety. However, anxiety in and of itself is typically a, a similar problem. And in most yeah. cases, easier to resolve than social anxiety. Yeah. There you go. So if,
0: <laughs> Yeah. So if there's one thing that you really wanted our listeners to leave with today, like they remember nothing else, but you wanted them to remember this thing, what would that be?
2: Learn the tapping for yourself. Go on to yeah. Google and uh, type in EFT manual and uh, learn it. It's free, It's easy to learn. and Once you've learned it, once you've experienced it, you'll have a tool to manage your emotions for the rest of your life. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, it is amazing. I, I can vouch for that as well. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time to be with us on the Gift of Choice today. I know everyone is so busy, and I'm, and you you seem really busy. So thank you so much for taking your time to share your wisdom and your insights with all of us here.
2: Thanks for giving me the opportunity, Bonnie. Thank you.
0: Yeah, great. Well, now, next week I will have another great guest. I always have a great guest. Um, And if you uh, like the show, the the archive will be up soon on Blog Talk Radio and on iTunes. And you can always download those and listen to them later or listen to them more than once. And if you really like the show, don't forget to follow or subscribe, depending on where you're listening. So until next Monday at 2 p.m. Central, blessings, everyone. Bye-bye now.
2: You've been listening to The Gift of Choice hosted by Bonnie Gressel. The gift of choice has been brought to you by MNB Global Solutions, your source for individualized coaching for entrepreneurs and authors, along with book editing and publishing services. For more information, go to mnbglobalsolutions.com.